It's good to see you this morning on this beautiful fall day. It's the beginning of fall, it feels like to me. When I was a young boy, I remember being introduced uh, many years ago. I was a young kid to an interesting group of people. The ladies that I met, uh, was introduced to, had uh, long hair, really long hair, like long hair. But, it was, but I never saw it that long because it was kind of rolled up in a bun on their head, or actually some of them multiple buns, and, and they're, some of them had these like little curls that were like kind of pressed on their forehead and kind of like grease, greased on there and so forth. And I didn't wear any makeup, and uh, they wore homemade dresses that looked homemade. You know what I mean? It's it like some of us are really good at making things, and you can kind of look at it, and you can't tell the difference. But theirs looked really homemade, and uh, they wore uh, dresses like that all the time, these ladies did. They cooked in them. They cleaned house in them. They went to church in them. They gardened in those dresses. On uh, They canned in those dresses. Uh, there was never any dancing in those dresses. Never any dancing in those dresses. And uh, someone told me back in those days when I was interacting, kind of trying to, to figure this out, told me that these ladies were committed to holiness. That's what I was told. I didn't really understand what they were talking about, but I do know this. I thought to myself, even as a little kid, I thought, I thought if this is what holiness looks like, it's not very attractive to me. I, I don't know what to do with this. I, I just didn't. At this stage of my life, of course, I have much better understanding of, of where those ladies were coming from. I understand holiness a lot better than I did at that stage of my life. And what I know now that I didn't know then is that true holiness is a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. True holiness, if you understand it from God's perspective, is, is loving and it's joy-filled, it's patient, it's kind and, and gentle and faithful. True holiness, when it radiates out of a life, is truthful and self-controlled. And it's really more about who you are than the clothes or dress that you wear on the outside. It's more about character than clothes. It's, it's not just a decision. It's a way of life that affects everything about you inside, outside, and knowing what I know now about holiness and what the Bible says about it, I know that our world desperately needs a fresh wave of holiness to sweep over it. Our world needs it. Our nation needs it. Our media needs it. Our whole world does. We need it. My hope is that it will begin with us. And uh, so I'm starting a new series. I'm starting today. It's calling Help Me Understand Holiness. And today what we're focusing on is really the first aspect, the first step toward uh, experiencing a lifestyle, a, 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 what it means to have the character of holiness. And we're beginning with this theme, holy people repent, because that's what we see in Scripture. Repentance is an attractive subject in our culture, is it not? Yeah, you can moan with me. No, no, it's not. It's countercultural. It's always been countercultural. I mean, it's not a new thing. It's always been counterculture because we all want to believe I'm okay with God. If I do more good things than bad things, I'm okay with God. That's how we, how we think to ourselves. And we want to think 
Most of the world's problems don't originate with me. Most of the world's problems originate with politicians and the media. And they come from corporate greedy executives and, and poverty and a lack of, of sufficient education for folks. And if we could just get rid of the criminals on the streets and the drug dealers, we could solve a lot of problems. we just get kids to stop playing so much video games. And if we could just get rid of computer hackers and Kim Jong-un. And the only thing is... If we made a list of everybody that causes problems in our world, it would include everybody but me. If I made the list in the world, the, the way we operate nowadays. But the problem is, is that the problems don't originate out there. It originates right here. Repentance is a message not just for all of you, but for me. And I, I want us to listen carefully to the message of Scripture this morning. We're going to look at several passages of Scripture. We're going to begin by looking at the life, some, some teachings from a, a man named John the Baptist. John the Baptizer, actually, is uh, his name. And uh, it's how he's referred to in Scripture. If you have your Bible, open it to Luke chapter 3. If you don't have one with you, you can grab it in the chair in the shelf in front of you. Open it up. And uh, he... You want to think about repentance, he's one of the great spots to start. Uh, there are others, of course, that speak of it, but he uh, it was pretty much the message of his life. And uh, Luke chapter 3, so we're going to start with verse 3, uh, where he is teaching her, as the Bible tells us. So follow along on the screen or in your Bible with me. This is what the, he, just to remind you, John was uh, the one who was the forerunner of Christ just before Jesus, the Messiah, shows up on earth in the flesh, John the Baptist comes forth and begins to preach the message of repentance, which ultimately we're going to see is the message of Jesus as well. But uh, John kind of starts things off. He was the, uh, the forerunner of all of this. And this is what the Bible says. John went from place to place on both sides of the Jordan River, preaching that people should be baptized to show that they'd repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. Skip down to verse 7. When the crowds came to John for baptism, he said, You brood of snakes, who warned you to flee God's coming wrath? Let me just pause. This is what people think of when they think of repentance. They just think of him coming after him here. This is, this is how, how we think of it. This is how you have to come after, from God's perspective, those who like think they're better than they are. This is why John's coming at the people this way. So he says, You brood of snakes, who warned you to flee God's coming wrath? Prove by the way you live that you've repented of your sins and turned to God. He's just saying, he's saying, if you're going to say that you're holy people of God, prove it. Live that way. Don't just say it. And he goes on and says, don't just say to each other, we're safe or we're descendants of Abraham. That means nothing, John says, for I tell you, God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. And it just, he just keeps going. Even now the axe of God's judgment is poised, ready to sever the roots of the trees. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. The crowds asked, what should we do? Sean replied, if you have two shirts, give it to the poor. Give one to the poor. If you have food, share it with those who are hungry. Even corrupt tax collectors came to be baptized and asked, teacher, what should we do? He replied, collect no more taxes than the government requires. What should we do? Asked some soldiers. And John replied, don't extort money or make false accusations. Be content with your pay. The Bible goes on and explains that everyone was expecting the Messiah to come soon. And they were eager to know whether John might be the Messiah. And 
John answered the questions by saying, I baptize you with water, but someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. He's ready to separate the chaff from the wheat with his winnowing fork. Then he will clean up the threshing area, gathering the wheat into his barn, but burning the chaff with never-ending fire. And John used many such warnings as he announced the good news to the people. Now, let me just say right off the bat, there were two classes of people who came to hear John out here in the wilderness. Two classes. Sinners and notorious sinners. That's who came to hear John. Uh, Because that's the only two kinds of people there are from God's perspective. I mean, it's, it's interesting. In verse 18, John's announcing good news with warnings. Notice that? Why is he doing that? Because no one's in the, on their own okay with God. I mean, nobody. I mean, we're all either sinners or we're notorious sinners. Everyone needs to exp- repent. No exceptions. No one gets a free pass. And what was true then is still true today. Because Romans 3.23 tells us, Everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. All of us do. We're all sinners or we're notorious sinners, whichever. And in either respect, we need help. We need to repent. Unless you think that Jesus' message to mankind was something different, because there's sort of an idea in our culture today that that Jesus has a whole different message. It's all about grace. Well, it is. It's grace to pursue a life of holiness and know that when you fail, God will pick you up. It's not grace to do whatever you want to do with your life. That's that's called a life of sin. Grace is for those who are pursuing a life of holiness. Grace for those who aren't pursuing a life of holiness at best is another opportunity that God's giving them to change and choose holiness. And at worst, it becomes permissiveness. How's that work with your children? You just keep showing them grace and grace. If they have really no intention of ever cleaning up their room, you're going to have a messy house really soon, right? It's no different in the kingdom of God. So God gives grace. It's, he has more grace than we can comprehend. He's expecting a pursuit of holiness from us. Listen, this is, this is Jesus' theme. I want you to understand that. Matthew chapter 4, verse 12, just lays out Jesus' message to mankind. And it was not something different than what John was saying. Matthew 4, 12 says, When Jesus heard that John had been arrested, because the message of repentance isn't particularly popular, especially to governmental officials. And so that kind of came down, trickled down to, uh, or trickled to them, and they got the message, and so they arrest John. When Jesus heard that he'd been arrested, he left Judea, returned to Galilee, and skipped down a couple of verses. Verse 17 goes on and says, From then on, from when John was arrested, Jesus began to preach. You notice what his message was. Repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. This was the, if we had time this morning, I could walk you through the entire Gospels. This was the central message of Jesus. It was repent. It was turn. It was change. Humble yourself before God. Do it now. Do it now. 
And throughout Jesus' ministry, he gave example after example of what genuine repentance looks like. What it looks like when you, when you humble your heart before God and cry out to him for mercy with a true heart toward pursuing holiness. And real quickly, I want to spotlight a couple of those examples of repentance. Some of them are ones that we're familiar with. Maybe some of you aren't familiar with all of these. But the first example of repentance that, that I want to highlight for you, that Jesus had, a, had just amazing insight in. He tells about two men who went to the temple to pray in Luke 18. One was a Pharisee. The other was a despised tax collector, the Bible tells us. The Pharisee stood by himself and he prayed this prayer. Now just think about this. This is his prayer out loud. I thank you, God, that I'm not like other people. Thank you that I'm, that I'm special, I'm different, that, that nobody else is like me, that I'm unique and set apart. Thank you, God, for that. I'm not like other people who are cheaters and sinners and adulterers. I'm, I'm certainly not like that tax collector. Now he's like looking around the room at the temple, just you know, around, like looking around the church and just saying, I'm thank, I thank you I'm not like that person and that person and that person. Thank you, thank you about, that, about that, God. I fast twice a week, give you a tenth of my income. Jesus goes on to say, But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, O God, be merciful to me, for I'm a sinner. Jesus says, take to heart what Jesus says. He says, I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Jesus just wanted his listeners then and his listeners now to understand that genuine repentance doesn't make comparisons. It doesn't make excuses. It doesn't redefine expectations. It doesn't seek to justify oneself in some other way. Genuine repentance humbly comes before God and just says, Oh, God... Be merciful to me, to me, for I'm a sinner. And it's not just a drama act. It comes from here, from the soul. Have you humbled yourself before God? Have you, have you repented like that? Oh, God, have mercy on me because I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. For all of us who come to God like that, Jesus gives us another example of genuine repentance. And it's one of my favorites in Scripture. I know it's many of, many of your favorite as well. But it involved a son who squandered an inheritance. It had been given to him by his father, of all things, while he was still alive. He shows the father's generosity. He gave him his inheritance before he even passed away so that his son could, could use it as he thought wise to do, and what does this son do, do? He goes and blows it all on loose living and fake friends and foolish thinking, and he lost everything. He lost all of it. And Jesus tells us in Luke 15, verses 17 and following these, these words, he says, When finally he came to his senses, 
this young man. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. Here I am dying of hunger. That's what the, the son was saying. He was now you know, dirt poor, penniless. Verse 18, I'll go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son. He embraced him, kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. You notice the the theme there? You notice the thread? It's as though he's praying, Oh God, have mercy on me, for I am a sinner. He's just saying, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. His father said to his servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house. Put it on him. Get a ring for his finger, sandals for his feet. Kill the, fat, uh, the, the calf that we've been fattening. You must, we must celebrate with a feast, for the son of mine was dead, and now he's returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. And I think it's significant that the, the stories Jesus tells us be, concludes by saying, So the party began. That portion does. Jesus was saying, genuine repentance opens the door to restoration, to forgiveness, to joy, to all who will embrace it. So one of the great challenges of our time is that the people of our world, and many of us, we're we're tempted to think that restoration, a sense of forgiveness and joy, begin some other way. And we waste lots of time and sometimes large sums of money trying to find joy and restoration and a sense of peace and forgiveness and hope without beginning here. Sort of think if I, if I, I can skip this one because it makes me feel better about myself or it'll help others to think better of me. But the truth is, from God's perspective, as he teaches us, In his word, it is the first step toward a God-honoring life of holiness. And if we're ever going to become authentically holy, if we're ever going to become authentically loving, kind, patient, gentle, truth-filled, hope-filled, joy-filled, if we're ever going to become good to the core of our being reflexively, if we're ever going to become like Jesus, it begins at repentance. And it's not a one-time act. It's a response every single day of my life. Today, Oh, God, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. Tomorrow it'll be, oh, God, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. And it's not because I'm not trying. You see what I'm saying? It's not because I'm not pursuing holiness. It's because in my pursuit of holiness, I'm going to fall short. And you're going to fall short. See the difference? 
Can you imagine how different our world would be if everyone who calls themselves Christian was pursuing holiness and repenting on a daily basis? I mean, authentically pursuing it. That is God's call for you and for me. We were made for that. We were made for that, every one of us. Because there's something that happens in our soul when we come to God from a place of repentance. It creates space in our soul for him to pour goodness into our souls. Apart from that, it's just like we're like Teflon men and women. The blessings of God just kind of like shed off of us. The character of God just sort of doesn't sink. But this morning, the invitation of God for you and for me is that we will, perhaps some of us, begin this journey of holiness this morning. Where I want you to know, you don't have to wear your hair in a bun to pursue holiness. Okay? You don't. You don't. It's okay if you do, but you don't have to. And you don't have to wear a dress all the time. You don't have to garden. You don't have to make your own clothes. You don't have to do all these things. What you and I do have to do is we have to, on a regular routine basis, come before God and say, Oh, God, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. And when we approach him with that spirit, we're going to find a God who's watching for us from afar off, and he will come running to us, filled with mercy and compassion and love. And when we say, Father, I... I don't deserve to be your son. I don't deserve to be your daughter. He's just going to put his hand over our mouths. He's going to say to us, Welcome home. Welcome home. Maybe you need to hear welcome home today. You can hear it. It comes from a spirit of humble repentance. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. We're going to pray together as we wrap up. And... I don't know what you need to repent of this morning. My guess is that there's something, because none of us is as pure as the wind-driven snow. My guess is that there's something there that the Holy Spirit this morning maybe has brought to your mind, and if he hasn't, I bet when we are quiet for just a moment, he'll bring something there. Just confess it to God and just say, Lord... Would you forgive me? Would you have mercy on me? I'm a sinner. And you're holy and perfect and pure. And you are just. And you know everything that I do, everything I think, every word that comes out of my mouth. Have mercy on me. And then just commit yourself to pursuing a life of holiness. Because that is what it means to be a Christian. The central theme of being a Christian is, God, I want to be like Jesus, holy. And forgive me as I fall short in the process, but I'm committed to that process. Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you care about us, that you have called us 
You've called this generation, you've called us as individuals to repent of our sins and walk in your ways. And Father, as a pastor, I want to apologize for pastors in our nation and just believers throughout the centuries and even in this area of time where, where we don't want to acknowledge the critical nature of holiness sometimes. We just want to preach grace. And certainly grace is available. But your great longing is that we would walk more and more toward you and your way of life and that we'd be getting grace for different things than we used to get grace for. You've called us to that. You've called us to more. You've called us to be godly men and women who represent you in this world and whose lives are characterized by love and joy and peace and gentleness and kindness and the character of Christ and the gentleness and humility that was represented by him. Help us, O oh God. Forgive us. Forgive us when we've made it less than what it was about. Forgive us for when we've not tried, when we've compromised with the world in which we live. Help us, God, to pursue lives of holiness. Have mercy on us, God. Have mercy on me. Because I'm a sinner. We're sinners. We're sinners, we're notorious sinners, and we're in desperate need of your mercy. God, you see all things. If there's something in our lives right now that we need to confess, would you just bring it to our minds as we're in this moment of quiet? If he's brought something to your mind, I just want to encourage you to confess it to him and ask his forgiveness for it. Ask him for strength to overcome the power of his spirit to walk in godliness. The power that you don't have on your own, ask him for more, more of him. God, we come clean before you this morning. We just want to, we want to walk in holiness because that's what you made us for. You said in your word, I am holy, therefore I want you to be holy as well. Help us to pursue that. And Fathers, we begin this series and continue in the weeks ahead. I just pray, God, that you'll help us to see holiness was what made Jesus as attractive to the masses as, it, as he was. He wasn't weird. He was holy. That's what attracted people to John. That's what attracted people to the apostles of old. That's what attracted people to your children over the centuries. That's what will change us and become attractive to the world as well. Would you go with us, fathers? We leave this place now. Would you help us to walk in your presence? To reflect on this, to make repentance a daily thing, 
And we'll thank you for your grace. And we'll thank you for your kindness. Go with us now, Father, as we leave. We pray this all in the name of Jesus. And everybody agreed with me and said, Amen. Amen. Bless you all.